0: I think with all things, you know, if you catch it early or if you even treat it prophylactically before the hair loss kicks in, you're going to set yourself up for better success. So if you know that you're going to be on one of these medications and you're going to experience pretty rapid weight loss, start using over the counter Rogaine early.
1: Welcome to the Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. everyone. Quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi there. Did you know that many of the topics I bring to you on the Skin Reel are things I actually see and treat in my office as a practicing board certified dermatologist? That's right, at Bauckham and Mina Derm Surgery, my business partner and I are on a mission to provide exceptional procedural dermatology care in Atlanta, Georgia. We offer skin cancer surgery to large cyst and lipoma removals, to injectables, chemical peels, microcorine, and more advanced techniques with things like liposuction, eyelid lifts, neck lifts, lip lifts, and so much more. But most of all, we love helping our patients transform their skin with real results. You know me, I am all about real skincare by real skin experts, real simple. If you're in the Atlanta area, I hope you'll stop by and see me. You can get more information at my website, atlantadermsurgery.com or by calling 404- 844-0496. Eight four four zero four nine six. I can't wait to see you. Hi, Skin Friend. I am so glad you tuned into this week's episode of The Skin Reel because this week we are talking about a very hot topic. We are going to be discussing the weight loss drugs that you are seeing all over the place, the semaglutides known as Ozempic and Wagovi. Those are the trade names or the brand names. And I can't open up my social media account or look in the paper or drive really anywhere without seeing signs and promotions for these weight loss drugs. They are everywhere. They have really taken off. And while they were first created to really help people with diabetes and morbid obesity, we are seeing a whole slew of people taking these who even just want to lose that extra five or 10 pounds from the holidays. And while these drugs are successful at helping people. people lose weight, there are side effects with it, just like with anything, right? And as dermatologists, we are seeing a good bit of these side effects in our office And you've probably heard about the Ozempic face. Well, it is real. When you have this sudden weight loss, we are noticing people coming in with very hollowed out loss of fat in their face and extra loose skin. So I am super excited to delve into this topic with my colleague, Dr. Forum Patel. She is a board certified dermatologist as well as a fellowship trained laser and cosmetic expert. She practices at Aria Dermatologist in San Francisco, California. And she is an avid athlete. She is super fit, loves to stay active, and she really finds that this is key to healthy skin, a healthy body, a healthy mind. And I love that. I totally agree. And I can't wait to hear her thoughts on our discussion on these medications and is Ozempic Face Real, and what about your hair and nails? I know you probably have questions. You've probably heard about these medications, and we are going to take a deep dive into the skin manifestations of these medications, what you can expect and possibly see, and we'll touch on what some of the skin and hair and nail side effects are with these medications. You're not going to want to miss this. Dr. Patel, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to discuss this topic because I am seeing a lot of not only patients, but friends and family either on it or asking me about it or wanting to be on it. And I love that we're having this discussion today on all these weight loss drugs that are out there. So thank you for being here. No, thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, so it seems like you can't open up your social media or the news without something about these weight loss drugs. I think I just saw something where Oprah, she looked amazing in this like beautiful purple gown. I think it was at the color purple opening or something, and she looked amazing, and she's giving credit to some of these weight loss drugs. And it seems like also these weight loss clinics are all over. So tell us about this medication, this class of medications that's come out in the last what year or two, and that we're starting to hear about. What are these medications?
0: Yeah, so we commonly refer to it as Ozempic, but Ozempic is actually just one of these medications. But the general class of these meds they are known as glucagon-like. Peptide agonist, or basically glucagon-like peptide agonist, and semaglutide is the generic name for this medication. It actually comes as injectables and as oral pills, but it's the injectables that have really kind of taken off and become super popular for potentially weight loss. And traditionally, we think of them as anti-diabetes medications, and that's where Ozempic came from. It was first FDA approved for type two diabetes. But since then, its cousin, Wagovi, came out. And that one's actually FDA approved for weight loss. So I think there's a lot of miscommunication about who's actually eligible for these drugs and what they should be used for. But yes, they did first originate as diabetes medications.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because I thought that that's what they were for. But then I'm seeing all these people coming in on it for weight loss. And to be honest, some of them don't look like they have that much weight to lose and heck, I want to lose five pounds. Should I be taking Wegovy? right? So it seems like what is the criteria for administering these? And and we're dermatologists, so I don't personally prescribe this. No,
0: I, I don't prescribe it as, as a, a physician, but it is approved for type 2 diabetes and obesity. And obesity is you know, a BMI over 30 But if you are overweight, which means BMI over 27 and have at least one weight-related comorbidity like diabetes or hypertension or sleep apnea, you might still qualify. So there are a lot of ways to kind of get around who could be on this medication. I think one of the things that's so important to point out is that, yes, there are FDA indications, but many medications are used off-label. So this concept is not foreign in the medical world. You know, when we think of in our world, we Botox, for example, right? You know, FDA approved for migraines but we use it for a ton of different reasons. So it doesn't necessarily make it wrong, but it can get very slippery depending on whose hands it's getting into.
1: I remember when I forget which of the neuromodulators came out and they the rep came by and said, we're now approved for treatment of the fine lines around the eyes. And I'm thinking, I've been treating fine lines around the eyes with this for years. So you're absolutely absolutely right. It doesn't mean it's wrong just because it's off label. A lot of times they won't even run the studies, right? Because it takes a lot of time and money to get them on label. So yes, but it does seem like there's a lot of gray zones about who should be taking these weight loss drugs, who would benefit and who really needs it. And of course, obesity being such a problem in our country for sure. I think it's great actually that there are treatments that can help with this because of all the other comorbidities we see associated with weight loss. But of course, right, with anything, there's always a slippery slope and you have to make sure it's getting into the people who really, really need it. And that's because just like with all medications, right, they have side effects. They have some good benefits for sure, but there are side effects. And that's definitely something we'll talk about today. Just out of curiosity, how are these medications administered? Is this something you have to go into a doctor's office to have an injection or do you take the pill every day? How does it work?
0: Yeah. So in terms of the injectables, they're a once weekly medication and there are weight loss clinics, if you will, that will have people come in and and get their injection weekly. But these are medications that you can administer at home. They're very similar to like an EpiPen, for example. So they usually come in pre-filled syringes and you can self-administer pretty dummy proof. So I think that's why it's become so popular because you can have these medications, essentially shipped to you and you can do it in the comfort of your home.
1: Certainly if you are someone who is diabetic, you may be used, to giving yourself injections anyway, so that's not too far off with that. But yeah, I was wondering about with a lot of these wellness spas that I'm seeing, weight loss clinics, even aesthetics, you know, they offer Botox and they offer Wagovi, right? And... Is this something that is covered by insurance or are people also paying for this cash? Yeah, you know, it is covered by
0: insurance if you meet those criteria. You know, again, type 2 diabetes, obesity, or overweight with another comorbidity. So if you are going through your general practitioner or your endocrinologist, they could potentially be, you know, covered by your insurance. But, you know, through these many spas, as you know, and a lot of this stuff is just cash pay and everyone's looking for that quick fix of, you know, losing that extra five pounds of holiday weight or whatever. So it's, very easy to get and prices can really vary. I think, again, slippery slope with many spas. it really makes you think like, you know, who is your caregiver in that situation? Who's your provider? And it might be someone who just got introduced to the medication last month and isn't up to date with literature, or the potential side effects. Because above all, I mean, it's, it's still a medication. There are still risks regardless of how safe we think something might be. We just there's a lot of stuff that's still coming out about it.
1: It seems like the weight loss can be really quick, which again, makes it really appealing because for anyone who's tried to lose weight the old fashioned way, right, with diet and exercise, it takes time. And when you do do those crash diets, it seems to kind of rebound. So it seems appealing because the weight does seem to come up pretty quickly. But I think that's also one of the side effects we're seeing, right? So let's dive into what are some of these common side effects with these medications?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the common ones that we hear about are like nausea, vomiting, GI upset, feeling really bloated. Because one of the ways that these medic- these medications work is that it's slowing down your gut motility. But side effects that you and I might encounter are things to do with aesthetics, you know, skin and hair. So there's two things that we're really seeing in in clinic There's the ozempic phase that we keep hearing about, and then there's also hair loss. The ozempic phase, it's a twofold. There's direct fat loss, and our face is covered in these fat pads. So as we're losing fat everywhere else on our body, we're also going to be losing fat in our face, and that's going to give us that temporal or mid-cheek hollowing, and that's what's giving us that kind of like volume loss that we're seeing. But the other component of this is that when you are on one of these medications, you're eating less. And if you don't already have a well-balanced diet that you're already following and you're not getting enough protein, enough vitamins, nutrition, in then we are going to see a kind of inability to make healthy collagen elastic tissue. And then we see the skin laxity. So it's the volume loss in the skin laxity that's contributing to those zempic chains that we were seeing kind of all over Hollywood.
1: Absolutely. And and that happens also with crash dieting or rapid weight loss or really just any weight loss. You don't get to target, well, I want to lose weight in my inner thighs, but leave it in my backside. It always, at least for me, also seems to go from the face first too, unfortunately. But yeah, that is definitely something we're hearing about and seeing. And I'd love to know, I'm seeing patients with hair loss a lot. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So
0: I'll just refer to it as Ozempic since everyone talks about Ozempic, but you know, the Ozempic-induced hair loss, it's, it's not something that's new. It's a condition called telogen effluvium, also known as stress-induced hair loss. We commonly think of telogen effluvium happening post-pregnancy, and it's kind of your body's defense mechanism of noticing like, okay, there's a big problem or a big shift in your normal baseline that's happening, I'm going to conserve my nutrition, my energy to fight the bigger battle. So it's going to automatically stop hair and nail growth. It's going to go into this rest cycle phase. And this can happen three to four months after the initial stressors, so in this case, rapid weight loss. What we're seeing is that people are losing more than two pounds a week. That's where we're seeing the hair loss really kick in. And Again, it can be seen months after. The thing about children fluvium though is that it's temporary. And once, if this is a medication that you are on long-term, whether it's for diabetes or maintaining weight, your body will adjust to its new normal, its new baseline and realize, all right, this isn't a battle. This is just a new normal and hair growth will come back There's ways that we can kind of help slow down the progression or expedite the hair
1: growth. And usually that is pretty reassuring for patients when they hear, okay, it is gonna come back. You don't necessarily have to stop the medication and there are some things we can do to speed it along and, and help that hair growth. And also I think some people are getting the hair loss from perhaps nutritional deficiencies. They are maybe not eating enough or they are really restricting their diet, whether it's their caloric intake or they're getting low protein maybe not enough vitamin D, things like that. So you just need to, again, to your point, make sure you are eating a balanced diet to make sure you're getting all those other nutrients that you need as well for your skin. Now, let's go back to the ozempic face. What are some ways to manage it? Say you have someone come in and they're like, Dr. Patel, I love my new body and I can fit into my old jeans, but what's going on with my face? How do you counsel them on that?
0: Yeah, one of those things that I've been counseling more about is Sculptra, or you know, also known as poly lactic acid. And Sculptra, it's a pretty recent filler. It's a biostimulatory filler. It was FDA approved back in two thousand four. So this is different than you know our typical hyaluronic acid fillers, the ones that we associate with lip injections or tear trough injections. This is a medication that is meant to be injected into our dermal planes to induce our own collagen production. So this is a way to kind of recreate natural volume. What I find sculpture to be so unique about is that you know it was first used for HIV patients back in the 90s. HIV was being associated with this very classic lipoatrophy where patients would get pretty dramatic temporal hollowing. And you know when when someone had HIV, it was almost like you could pinpoint them out of a crowd. So this stigma was really sticking around. So sculpture was a way to rebuild that volume, not have that stigma associated with it. And you know something that we saw in the '90s being HIV, and now we're seeing in 2020s as as the Olympic phase. And but the concept there is the same. You know this rapid fat loss and a way to kind of regain that volume. So sculpture, I think, is going to be a big, big component for patients who are going. On OSEMPIC or these semi glutide medications. I
1: feel like I'm an evangelist for Sculptra. I am just so all on board. I love it. I think it's just such a great treatment for people looking to maintain their collagen and, and volumize in a super natural way as sort of the pendulum swings back from that overfilled look we were doing five to 10 years ago with hyaluronic acid. And certainly those fillers have their place, but I do love Sculptra so much for just volume loss. And it's a great option. I'm a big, big fan of that. So I'm glad you mentioned that. What about like skin laxity? What can you do with that? Like that sort of creepy skin that's hanging a little bit. What do you recommend?
0: So for the creepiest skin, you know, there's energy-based devices, radio frequency, and microfocused ultrasound. Those are the two kind of heavy hitters. Within the radio frequency category, we usually, you know, associate that with microneedling procedures. So microneedling with RF. The concept here is that deep, deep heat is generated into that dermal skin layer to basically induce neocollagenesis. And the same thing with microfocused ultrasound, uh, i.e., Ulthera. Same concept; it's trying to build heat dermally to rebuild collagen. We don't have enough data out right now on do patients who are actively on Sempe are they going to respond the same way with these heat-based devices for skin laxity? Because as you know, with skin laxity, we're seeing that there's not enough collagen and elastic tissue. If your nutrition isn't there, you don't have the proteins to even make new collagen elastic tissue. So I think there's going to be a lot of data that's going to come out in the next five years that will be able to speak to this. But right now, I think if we were to do something that's pretty minimally invasive and safe, I think that these energy-based devices do have utility here.
1: Yeah. I'll just throw in something that you can use off-label is putting sculpture in some areas where there is some skin laxity. Maybe it's the arms, the elbows, the knees, kind of areas like that, and and this is a great example of using something off-label, but that has been used time and time again very safely, but I liken it to sort of a balloon that it was full and now it's starting to deflate, and I have children at home, so I guess I, I see balloons fairly often, and then the balloon gets a little wrinkly, and I'll tell people we just need to sort of fill that back up, and so yeah, you could even use sculpture off the face for that, I'd also throw in microcorine as a way to help tighten skin. And then, of course, the old-fashioned surgery, right? There are times where as great as some of these energy-based devices are, sometimes you truly just need to remove that excess skin depending on how much there is with either a neck lift or a tightening. I'm, I had a lady who lost a lot of weight. And uh, did liposuction elsewhere and then had a lot of saggy skin. And then no energy-based device was going to get that off. We just had to cut it off. But, yeah, that would be a another option as well. In your experience, does the ozempic face go away when they stop taking ozempic? So, you know, you will regain.
0: But the question is, is it going to be in the same proportions in the same areas that we aesthetically find pleasing? So, you know, you might gain more fat like along the jowls, which we don't want, you know, because it causes the skin to look fattier. So we don't know what, how each patient is going to do or where they're going to gain that fat back. But yes, you will gain the fat back.
1: We just don't know if it's going to be in the areas that you want it. Exactly. It's like if you gain weight, right? The fat's going to go somewhere. It's hard to pinpoint. It's hard to say, I want my cheekbones but not my jowls and all that. But are people typically on Ozempic long-term or is this kind of a get you down to your close to your ideal weight and then you stop it? I think there's a lot of variability here. Again, we're seeing how people are using it off-label, whether it's like
0: post-pregnancy and trying to lose that like extra five, 10 pounds that they gain during pregnancy versus somebody who naturally is obese and has been obese for a large portion of their life. In the situation where people are genetically predisposed to obesity, it most likely is going to be a long-term medication that they will need in order to maintain those, those habits. But I think in the population where we're seeing people who are relatively healthy, have a healthy eating habit, in a healthy relationship with food, it might be a adjunct, you know, where you're on it temporarily and then, you know, you can maintain it with those healthy habits. But again, we're just seeing so many different ways on how people are prescribing it.
1: I forget when this came out, but I mean, it feels like it was within this year, right? And so there's so much we don't know about sort of the long-term use of it. And it's, of course, being used in to your point, a lot of different patients and they probably are going to respond differently and we're going to use it in different ways. So it'll stay tuned, right? More to come on that. I would love to get your thoughts on the hair loss. What are your tips for someone dealing with the Ozembic hair loss or Rogovi hair loss? Yeah, I think with all things, you know, if you
0: catch it early or if you even treat it prophylactically before the hair loss kicks in, you're going to set yourself up for better success. So, If you know that you're going to be on one of these medications and you're going to experience pretty rapid weight loss, start using over-the-counter gain early. Keep that hair growth going so as you're losing weight, those hair follicles are still kind of regaining that growth. In terms of like oral medications, there's oral minoxidil that has been all the rage over the past two or three years ever since that New York Times article. So that's also a really good adjunct to increase hair growth. Ultimately, it really just depends on what someone's priorities are. So, you know, for someone their weight loss might be more important to them than losing hair and that's okay. But there are oral and topical rogaine that might be really beneficial in those situations.
1: The people I've seen who were on these medications and experienced the hair loss, they were also postmenopausal women who were having hair thinning in general. And so it was a great time to talk about What the other options are just to help with their overall hair thinning um, that was not even related to the medications that they were taking. So, yeah, I mean, another great reason to check in with your dermatologist and get an evaluation. And I love the preventative steps you're recommending. If you know you're going to be on it, how can you take some steps to maybe mitigate some of those side effects? And we haven't talked about this before, but I know if you're a dermatologist, I bet you recommend vitamin A creams at night. And I would say that's another great one to start on, especially if you're thinking about using these medications. I'm talking about things like retinol, retinoids, right, that can boost your collagen too and just kind of help prime your skin for the weight loss that's coming. And of course, sunscreen, right? I don't think I can do a podcast episode without mentioning sunscreen, right? (laughs) <laughs> now, I would love to just hear your thoughts on, since we're kind of like joking too, but it's a good segue, right? With sun protection and using a, a retinol, retinoid. But what are some maybe alternatives for weight loss beyond these drugs that will maybe help prevent some of these side effects or that someone should be doing just in general to, that will also benefit their skin? Because I find I'm reading all the time. I mean, we all know exercise is great and eating healthy is great, right? But now there's studies showing that actually it can help increase the thickness of your dermis, which is presumably your collagen, right? So I'd love to get your thoughts on that.
0: You're absolutely right. I mean, ultimately having a baseline healthy lifestyle is going to set you up for better success regardless if you're going on one of these medications or not. And we know from like a skin and hair perspective, things like the Mediterranean diet, you know, you just age Better, so I think if someone is considering potentially trying these weight loss medications, even to lose like five or ten pounds, having those those healthy lifestyle practices already in place is going to set them off for success.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for a lot of people, they may not be on this drug for all that long, right? So you got to maintain that healthy lifestyle or or establish that healthy lifestyle so that when you get off the medication, your weight doesn't bounce right back because we know that that's certainly not healthy. You're going to have a lot of inflammation with yo-yo dieting and and weight loss, and that's not going to help your skin either.
0: And that's a lot of the backlash that we're kind of seeing about these medications, you know, through social media and things, you know, there's been some pretty vocal influencers who've gone on the record of, you know, I was on this medication and then I gained way more weight back. And yes, that can happen because if you aren't used to having balance to begin with, there really is a risk that you're going to just rebound. So I think that's why it's so, so important. Like you know, you don't start exercising afterwards. You know, you want those practices to already be in place.
1: Yeah. And even though it can seem like this is a miracle drug, the weight just melts off. Everything has side effects, right? And if, and there's no magic pill, right? You still have to do the work yourself with your diet, your lifestyle, exercise sun protection, not smoking, all of that stuff, managing your stress, because even as great as this medication is at helping you lose weight, if you stop it and you don't have any of those things established, yeah, you're going to rebound and maybe even worse. So yeah, I think it's important to think of it as an adjunct to what you're already doing and not necessarily this like magic bullet and you don't have to do any of the hard work anymore.
0: I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this medication pans out, especially with pediatric obesity. You know, with pediatric obesity, there is a genetic predisposition to having increased weight gain, whether it's from having diabetes from when you're born and whatever runs in your family. And it's interesting because insurance will often pay for bariatric surgery in kids to lose weight. And here comes this medication that might potentially be much, much cheaper for insurance companies. So it'll be interesting to see. How this will play a role even in kids. And I'm not saying that it should or should not, but it'll be just see how this data comes out.
1: I didn't know it was being used in kids, but that makes sense, right? It's not yet, or at least it's not
0: FDA approved, at least to my knowledge, but there is a lot of talk of, you know, should we be putting kids through bariatric surgery to lose if they are morbidly obese or should we potentially try this non-invasive route and you know, how will this be covered by insurance?
1: Yeah, gosh. So I feel like we're just at the start of this and it'll be really interesting to see what comes of it, right? Like I could definitely see people doing some trials and wanting to get kids on it if it can be helpful. So it'll be really interesting to see where all this goes. And yeah, all the, the skin changes and the hair and the nails and all that, I would say if you're on these medications and experiencing some side effects or some issues with your skin, your hair, your nails, then definitely seek out your board certified dermatologist who can help you and give you some recommendations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think us as dermatologists we're going to play a big role in this journey that these patients are going to be on. So I think it's important to kind of set up that relationship early on.
1: Yeah, and I I love that we're talking about it on a skin-focused platform because, yeah, there are a lot of skin issues that we're seeing and side effects. So it's great to have this conversation. Dr. Patel, it's been a lot of fun, and you are always putting out really great information on your social media accounts. Can you share with our audience where they can find you and follow you if they want to reach out and learn more? Yes. Well,
0: on Instagram, my handle is at forum underscore Patel. I'm trying to put as much helpful information for my patients and my viewers as, as possible.
1: There is a lot of misinformation out there on, on social media. So hopefully I could be of help. Yes. Awesome. I love that you're doing that. I love seeing my dermatology colleagues putting out great information like you're doing. So um, everyone be sure to check that out and I'll leave all that information in the show notes and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much, Dr. Patel. That's all I've got for this week's episode of The Skinreel Podcast, but here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help me and other new potential listeners to find my show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave me a review, take a screenshot and email it to info at and I will send you a thank you free PDF on skincare truths versus hype because you know I love spreading the word of good truthful skincare. And please be sure to share, share, share with your skin friends so that we can get the word out there about real skin. And until next time, remember, no matter where you are in your skincare journey, always remember to love the skin you're in Because real skincare from real experts can be real simple.